Today, friends, we're going to hear about a very big heartbreak on today's guest. Um, he lost his mother, his wife, and one of his daughters in a horrific car accident. So just wanted to warn you ahead of time in case little ears are around, but it's such a moving story. And the important thing is what Jerry got out of it and how his faith has grown even during these very hard circumstances. Now, this morning, I listened to the book of 1 Peter on audio, and some of the beginning verses in chapter 1 spoke to this topic of today's broadcast. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 1, 2-7. It says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested by fire and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Today, we are talking about the death of loved ones. Today's guest, like I mentioned before, lost his mother, his wife, and one of his daughters in a horrific accident. In a moment, he became a single father of three children, and grief brought great darkness over their whole home for many, many years. While we can look at passages like this one in 1 Peter, which remind us to have hope in our inheritance to come, our hope of heaven, which we can all look forward to, we must still live with heartache on this earth, sometimes great heartache like we're here about today. While we don't want our faith to be tested, sometimes it is. And sometimes, as with Jerry Sitzer, our stories can bring hope to others also going through great heartache. I'm going to read First Peter 1.7 again because this is the key, I think, to this this uh, podcast today. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Today, we're going to hear this heartbreaking story, but one that can give each of us hope. Jerry says, the experience of loss does not have to be the defining moment in our lives. Instead, the defining moment can be our response to the loss. It is not what happens to us that matters so much as what happens in us. You may need your tissues for this one, but I know that through this, you can find hope. Thank you for tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and 
I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Home should be a place of victory for your family, but Christian values are being threatened everywhere. What can a parent do when they are trying to raise their children from a faith-based perspective? Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents, written by Dan Seaborn with his team of credentialed counselors, coaches, and pastors, dives into the mess of 21st century parenting and provides clarity in the midst of chaos. Don't we all need that? It provides tools to tackle some of today's complex topics. Supporting parents with toddlers all the way to launching adult children, winning at home is the parenting manual every Christian home needs. Well, I am so thankful today to be here with Jerry Stitzer, and we are going to be talking about the 25th anniversary of his book, A Grace Disguise. Now, I love his writing. I love his work, especially because it really spoke to me at a time when I was going through a lot of hardship with my kids who... Many of you have heard me talk about as much as I love them and love adopting them. I'm so thankful they're part of my lives. It has brought a lot of hardship. So, Jerry, welcome. I am so glad you're here to talk with me today. My pleasure, Tricia. It's good to be here. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with your story, I would just love for you to share just a little bit, basically the story you never wanted to be a part of or never wanted to tell, but this has become a story that really has molded and shaped your life. Can you share a little bit about it? Yeah, gladly. Um, We moved to Spokane in 1989. I became a professor of theology at Whitworth University. Uh, where I taught all the way to uh, 2021. And now I'm working in another capacity there. Uh, my wife, Linda, uh, was homeschooler. We had four children at the time, uh, eight, six, four, and two. And uh, we went on a field trip on a Friday night to a Native American um, powwow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, My wife, Linda, just finished a homeschooling unit on that. And... Um, uh, leaving the powwow at about 8.30, we were driving down a lonely stretch of highway in the state of Idaho, and a drunk driver going 85, 000, 85 miles an hour, felt like 85,000, yeah. uh, hit our minivan head-on and catapulted over it. And when the dust cleared, I uh, discovered my mother, who was visiting us for the weekend, and my wife, Linda, then 42, and my uh, daughter, one of my children, Diana Jane, who was four at the time, were all killed in the accident. Uh, the driver of the other car survived. His wife uh, died, and there she was pregnant, nine months pregnant. So five people were killed hmm. in that accident. Uh, it took a long time uh, uh, at the scene of the accident. We were there over an hour uh, because it was so rural. It took a long mm-hmm. time for emergency vehicles to arrive, and it was just utterly chaotic. And then we were transported by an emergency vehicle to the nearest hospital, then another hour away. Uh, My kids were beaten up, but not injured severely. I, too, was beaten up, not injured severely. My two-year-old, John, uh, was injured severely, and he ended up uh, spending three weeks in traction and then another 12 weeks in a body cast, but he's fine now. 
so I was assigned uh, something that no one would ever choose, that is uh, to figure out how to survive a terrible trauma and then raise those three traumatized children, Catherine, who was eight, David, who was six, and John Charles, who was two. By the way, I should add that they're all in their 30s now, all married and all parents. And I, th- I think that brings us hope because, um, you know, as hard as the story is to share, there are so many people out there that are going through very difficult things and they think, will there ever be into the pain, the grief, the darkness? And I know part of that is a yes and part of that is a no. I mean, you're never going to be over all of those things. But I think um, I would love for you to share just looking back 25 years since the book was written, which I know the book was written you didn't necessarily want to write it. <laughs> so many people encourage you to write it. Um, but talk about how through these hardships, there, there is a moment where it seems like it's never going to get better. Because I think there's a lot of people that are there now. But then where can we find the hope? Oh, it's such a good question, uh, Trisha. I've probably been asked that, what, maybe 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean that seriously because I've received so much correspondence over the years from A Grace Disguised and then later on A Grace Revealed. Uh, one of the questions people ask is, when am I going to get over this? Mm-hmm. And my answer, which sounds negative, but it, it it's actually just the opposite, is you'll never get over it and you shouldn't get over it. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to spend the rest of your life in the pits, wallowing in your own sense of loss and despair, because the soul is kind of like a muscle that has capacity to grow. And as it grows, it's able to carry that trauma, that pain, that sense of loss a little bit more lightly. So I always say, I say to myself, you don't get over something. You don't overcome it. You don't get on the other side of it. You grow into it. And as you grow into it, you'll learn to carry it better. We need to be careful, I think, to, to, look, um, to look at our own definition of what normal is. Mm, if, yeah. we, if we start to expect that normal is going to be kind of the good life uh, with no problems, no harassment, no difficulties, and so on, we will constantly be disappointed because life changes. And if we make if we dare to make any form of commitment at all to marriage, mm-hmm. uh, to raising children or being grandparents or investing in the church or investing in relationships of any kind, we will constantly face some kind of disappointment because we live in a fallen world. But it's that disappointment that can grow us up. I wish there were an easier way, but Trisha, you and I know that that doesn't exist. Right. Being parents, even under the best of conditions, is hard. Uh, If you're married, it it puts pressure on a marriage. If you're single as I was for 20 years after the accident, I remained single for 20 years. I raised my kids until they were out of the house. That had its own kind of difficulty attached to it. So I just don't think there's an easy way through life. And if we're willing to recognize that that's simply the way it is, we tend to grow up we learn to carry our pain uh, more lightly. Uh, we're able to uh, adapt to the changing nature of the world in a way that's uh, healthier. And chances are we're going to live a little bit better life as a result. It's not going to be better because our circumstances are going to be better. It's going to be better because we're more mature people. Yeah, now, I that think- I think we can expect. But notice 
that the onus is put on ourselves, our relationship with God, our friendships, and just the nature of our own character as human beings made in the image of God and redeemed through Christ. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I'm, I'm listening to the audiobook again of a grace disguise, um, preparing for this. And one of the things that really touched me is when we go through those hardships, loss, death of those that we love, um, it, that, that it was, is always with us, but also we learn to appreciate life in a different way. Um, you talk about, you know, just realizing there'd be times you were just sitting there in the darkness, um, you know, dealing with the emotions, but also just realizing like the breath you have is beautiful and it's a gift from God. And I would love for you to share more about that because it seems, and you talk about, I've I've written a lot of World War II novels. I've interviewed a lot of World War II veterans. I've interviewed a lot of Holocaust survivors. And as hard as things were, especially during that time, they see life differently. They see every day as a gift, which is again, a way of maturing and a way of um, just really finding joy from God in these everyday moments. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I, uh, looking back now, more and more, I recognize that the art of living is learning to live in tension, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that there's good and bad in almost every circumstance that we face. Uh, in uh, the new edition in my chapter 16, I uh, tell the story of waking up one morning. This is about a year and a half ago and uh, going out to the mailbox to pick up my newspaper. Yes, I'm an old guy, so I still get a a paper, (laughs) a print. And uh, I stopped. It was very early in the morning. I wake up automatically very early, and I saw Venus uh, in the early morning sky. Mm. And it was just stunning. I mean, it was so big and bright. It almost looked like a small moon. And I smiled and thought, boy, Venus is showing off today. I was amused, I was moved, I was delighted to see that beauty. And I was glad that I lingered for a minute or two before I went inside and sipped on my coffee, looked at the paper, and then had my morning devotions. And later that day, I got a phone call from my sister uh, to give me an update on her grandson, my great nephew, who had actually started Whitworth that fall to play football. He got a pain in his leg, discovered there was a sign of cancer. I had to go to Seattle Children's Hospital. uh, And she called me to tell me what the results of all the scans and so on were, osteosarcoma. A month later, he lost his leg. And I just did his memorial service two weeks ago. He died at 19. Now, I'm thinking, there it is, Tricia, right there. The juxtaposition of that moment of beauty and that terrible phone call. Now, either we spend the rest of our lives running away from any form of difficulty, uh, in which case it will just chase us down, or wallowing in despair because life is never gonna be what we want it to be, or I think the best alternative is to learn to live in tensions. One of our children is doing well, one of them is doing terrible. Uh, We're happy in our career. Our spouse can't get a job or just lost one. You know, this happens daily in some form, in large doses or in small doses. And the art of living, as I said, by the grace of God, is learning to live in those tensions, being mindful, being aware and present to our pain, because it is a sign that we're still alive. 
and being deeply attuned to the gifts that God gives us every day. And one in my mind does not exclude the other. You know, I, I read years ago, I read a book about Hansen's disease, leprosy, and the deadliness of leprosy is that we lose uh, our, uh, the, uh, our nerve endings and our appendages cease to work. And so they won't send signals to us of pleasure and of pain because it's the same nerve endings that do both. And gradually we abuse those appendages. You know, we scratch them too much. We pick at them too much. They get scabbed. We don't feel pain. And then eventually we lose them. And I'm thinking our soul nerve endings send us signals of both joy and sorrow, of terror as well as beauty. And we can't have one without the other. Just right. can't. So we have to learn to live in that tension. Absolutely. And I think part of it is our unrealistic expectations that life needs to be easier and things shouldn't be this hard. And yeah. that, you know, we could plan these things as this is how our, things are going to go. Um, you know, you planned a different type of future than what oh, you uh, what, Did I ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did. In fact, there are so many ironies when I look back now over 30 years. I mean, I have the advantage of some distance. And uh, the same mountain is still the same size, but I'm a little farther away. So it's situated in a larger landscape I can look at. Uh, my second wife, I actually, called her, I actually call her my first wife the second time around. Mm. Uh, knew my first wife. Um, she was at the... Um, she was at the memorial service. I, I mean, um, our kids knew each other when they were wow. growing up. Yeah. Uh, and this is the person I married. If you would ask me, uh, did I have any notion of that anywhere in my brain at all? I would have said no chance. Right. And yet this is what happens. So I look back and I see this story unfold and there were some really dark chapters in that story, Tricia. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I really can't even tell you how dark they are, how they were. And yet so many moments of light at the same time. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, suddenly you're, you find yourself as a single father for many years. Uh, yeah. I mean, as a single parent uh, for 20 years, I faced a lot of challenges. My kids went through various phases. I mean, this is true for all parents, though, Trisha. Yeah. I had some special circumstances that added some burdens, but let's change the circumstances. Let's say you're married, but your husband uh, or your wife, in this case, probably for our listeners, mostly their husbands, they're detached, they work too much, mm -hmm. there's tension in the marriage, they have a drinking problem. I mean, multiply that times a thousand examples. So they have a different set of burdens to bear. I mean, one reason why I chose to stay single for 20 years is I once I adjusted to being a single parent and developed some good rhythms for my home, I didn't want to mess with it. Right. And I actually thought that remarriage would really mess with that rhythm and create more problems than it would solve. So um, that was a choice I made. And I'm really glad I made it and waited till I was 60 years old to uh, remarry. So I... I this sounds really horrible to say, but we have to kind of pick our poison here because life is simply going to be difficult any yeah. way we cut it. Choose to keep living 
you're going to face difficulty. But that's also the beauty of life, working out problems in your marriage, figuring out how to raise three kids by yourself and reestablish rhythms. I mean, I was chatting with you just a little bit earlier before we went on the air. So last night, my son, David, uh, was a speaker at a big Spokane event. Uh, and it was story, it was storytelling, six speakers, each had 12 minutes and they had to tell some little clip of a story of their life. Now, my son now is 37 years old. He was only six when his mother died and it was devastating to mm -hmm. him. He really struggled for probably three years. In fact, he disappeared. He terrified people because you'd look into his eyes and you couldn't find a person there. Wow. Well, here he is standing up in front of hundreds of people. And he tells the story of a backpacking trip to the Wind River Range of Wyoming with his pregnant wife and his dog. And it was a total disaster. <laughs> and the reason why he went on that backpacking trip in the Wind River Range in Wyoming is because his mother and I went on a backpacking trip there. My, his mother was pregnant with Catherine and we had our dog with us and our trip was a fiasco. <laughs> so he kind of told these two stories in juxtaposition. Well, that same young man 30 years ago was in a horrible place mm -hmm. and he was unreachable. He was unreachable. And now I look at this beautiful young man, a third child on the way, taking his place in the world, serving the common good well-established. It's all part of the story. Absolutely. And that gives yeah. me so much hope because, you know, adopting children from foster care, adopting teens from foster care, they face trauma upon trauma no, to no fault of their own. Just the environment they were in, the biological family, you know, the trauma that was um, that impacted my children, they are still dealing with so much of that. Yeah. And I found that, um, you know, and then because of that, loving is hard. Accepting love is very difficult. It and is. so it seems sometimes the more love I try to pour into some of them, the more they push away. You know, one yeah. is currently not even living in our home. As soon as um, she was able, you know, after she turned 18, she moved for a time with her biological mom. She moves from place to place. It's so difficult. And yet when I talk to you, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of this is how it's always going to be. Um, there can be hope. We can yeah. turn to God. And when I pray, I always get this reminder in my spirit that um, answered prayer is not a quick fix. Mm -hmm. Just like what you face, the darkness, the hardship, it's not like two weeks later, two years later, <laughs> you know, what? it's not going to be a quick fix, but yet we can trust God. So I'd love to hear more about this. How can we trust God even when, we're disappointed or even when we're hurt that these things happened. Well, actually, a text comes to mind. If, if it's okay for me to mention the Bible. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lovely little text, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the, the, it's called, they're called the Synoptic Gospels. You know, they tell a lot of miracle stories. I mean, they're just kind of flashing out of Jesus all the time. The, the Apostle John only told seven in the whole gospel. And he uses the phrase signs. These miracles were signs. And of course, a sign points beyond itself to some greater reality. Well, one of my favorites in that section is the uh, raising of Lazarus, the story of the resuscitation of Lazarus. Jesus is with his disciples. Uh, they're 
some distance away, maybe 10 miles or something. And uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they're siblings, and they were obviously very close friends of Jesus. Martha sends a message to Jesus, uh, Lazarus is sick. That's all she says, yeah. uh, as if to say, you know us well, you're a good friend, get here as soon as you can, period. Well, Jesus delays and Lazarus dies. He finally shows up and Martha hears that he's coming, approaching the home, runs out to meet him. And the first words out of his mouth, out of her mouth is, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now that's that's a prayer, Tricia. Oh, wow. It's a prayer of lament. It's a prayer of accusation. Mm -hmm. You didn't show up and you didn't do the work that we expect you to do. Mary meets him later and says the same thing. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. Well, as you know, Jesus goes to the tomb. He weeps. He calls forth Lazarus and uh, he's resuscitated. Now, the dirty little secret with all miracle stories, and of course, we all want miracles, is that they're not permanent. Mm -hmm. Jesus fed 5,000 by dividing bread and fish, and they got hungry again. Um, he gave water to a woman, and she got thirsty again. He turned water into wine, and all the guests woke up the next morning with hangovers. <laughs> and he resuscitated Lazarus, but it's a resuscitation, Tricia. Lazarus died again, yes. and we don't know the circumstances under which he died. These miracle stories all point to a greater reality. We don't want a postponement. Uh, we don't want uh, a, a reprieve from some form of suffering and difficulty. What we really want at the depths of our being is a resurrection, mm. eternal life, life that will never end, life that is bursting with life. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth. Now, we should all pray for miracles. Uh, Jesus commands us to pray and to persist in our prayers. But recognize at the same time that the miracles we want are not what we're going to end up getting because God wants to give us something more. Right. So I pray for my kids every day. I prayed for this young man, Jude, and he died, although his life was transformed in the process. And in those 16 months of pain, he matured 30 years. And in the end, in dying, he showed the rest of us how to live. I mean, it's a remarkable story. Well, this happens all the time. Um, so, I mean, I prayed for my kids and some of the prayers were answered as I asked. Right. Some of them weren't. But I'm 30 years out and I see this whole thing from a larger frame of reference, mm -hmm. a kind of epic journey instead of a series of, of short stories where we're always getting our way. Uh, God is not a genie in a bottle. He can't be bossed around. He's not mean. He's good in a bigger way than we understand. And that's what we have to mature into. Oh, I love that so much. And, and it is when you're able to look back and see these these transformations yeah. um, through the pain is really when we have the greatest glimpse of God. And I'm thinking of my grandfather, who was one of my favorite people. I was able to care for him for the last five months before he passed away. And um, during three days before he passed away, he was um, 
is his last waking moments. And he was the most solemn man. He was kind and gentle and quiet. But his last waking moments, he was lifting his hands and praising God. He told us he could see Jesus with his arms stretched out to him. And in the room, it was like, I almost would turn around slowly expecting an angel to be standing there. It was like so electric in that moment. My grandfather didn't become a Christian until I was in elementary school. He'd gone yeah. through World War II. He'd gone through the Great Depression. He was. They moved from Kansas to California during the Dust Bowl. He was in World War II. And it wasn't until an older adult, after one of my aunts came home from college, that he became a believer. Um, and he had this quiet faith. But it just went to show me so much of God's grace had held him through all those years, through World yeah. War II, through yeah. the Dust Bowl, and then gave me and my grandmother, who were also in the room, this experience of seeing his first glimpses into heaven. And it just made me realize, like, whatever difficulties we have, whatever hardships we have, there is, is what you're talking about, something on the other side, what our souls are longing for. And, of course, we prayed that my grandpa would overcome the cancer. I, he was only, he was 83, but if, I would love to have him around another oh, sure decade. I mean, that was an appropriate thing to do. And I prayed right. for Jude and he died at 19. Uh, but his story is still a transformative story, just mm -hmm. in a different way. I don't want to, I don't want to be a Pollyannish here or right. uh, whitewash pain and, and uh, say every story just kind of turns out happy. Right. Almost uh, the minute we uh, were ready to tell it, you know, life has a lot of mystery mm -hmm. and we live in a fallen world and that uh, ricochets everywhere. There's shrapnel that shrapnel that just flies everywhere. Uh, sometimes we get what we deserve. Most of the time we don't, as the story of Job reminds us. And then we just have to make some basic decisions about life. Is there a God or is there no God? I'm not sure deciding there's no God is much of an improvement right. because all we have is pain mm -hmm. and no hope for redemption, no hope for God's intervention, uh, no hope for eternal life. So even though there are problems associated with trusting in a good God when you face uh, tragic circumstances, I, I think the alternative, uh, no God at all, is even worse. Mm, but I won't whitewash the difficulties. I've had plenty of them. Yeah. And I hear from readers all the time. And oh, my goodness, I hear some stories that are just astonishing, uh, full of points of light and yet full of a lot of sorrow mm -hmm. and loss, too, from yeah. which there's no recovery, nor should there be. Right. Absolutely. Now, we were talking about the 25 years since A Grace Disguise was released. And I know as a writer, through every book, I am transformed. I know that I hope that there's something in there for the reader. <laughs> and there, you, there is. But in the writing of every book, there's something that God teaches me, something I learn. Um, just putting my words help me understand my thoughts and understand what God has been doing, often when I didn't see it. I would love to hear how 25 years later, as you're reading through the book <laughs> to make this new edition, what new insights did you receive even after all these yeah. years? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, for one thing, uh, it was released in a 10-year anniversary uh, edition, and uh, I reread that before I did a little bit of editing. Otherwise, I did not look at it from the writing of it until that 10 year. Mm. And then I did not look at it again until the 25th anniversary edition. 
So in rereading it, I was reading something I had not looked at for 15 years. Right. Now, that's a little unfair because so much of it is inside me, but I didn't actually read the print at all. Well, a couple of impressions came to me right away. The number one was it, it's true to life. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I didn't change it when the when the right. new edition came out. I edited it very lightly, but I just thought, no, this is the way it, I'm telling the truth here. I wouldn't change the narrative. I did add two chapters to it though, and uh, because you just have perspective after 25 years, you didn't after only five years of struggle and sorrow. And in those additional chapters, I do a little more reflecting on what trauma looks like mm -hmm. from a greater distance. So the analogy I used earlier, uh, when you're a mile away from Mount Rainier, the mountain is all you see. It dominates the landscape. Um, when you're 50 miles away or 25 miles away, Rainier does not change size, you know. It's always going to be 14,410 feet. Right. It's going to have a certain mass to it and so on. But you see it from a larger frame of reference. You see it situated in a larger landscape. And that does happen over time so that your perspective changes. The sorrow doesn't grow less. Mm -hmm. Your capacity to carry it grows more. Okay. And that's, to me, that's a sign of great hope. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you being here again. The book is A Grace Disguise, the 25th anniversary. I have not gotten to the last two chapters yet. Again, I'm listening to this new edition and audiobook, so I'm eager to get to them. Um, but thank you so much for being here. And I will put the links to where the books can be found, which is everywhere books are sold. Is there someplace else that listeners can go to connect with you or to find out more about your work? Well, my Facebook page, uh, Jerry Sitzer, that's all they have to do is type it in, or uh, my webpage, Jerry Sitzer, uh, just without cap or no caps, no spaces, jerrysitzer.com. Uh, those would be two places. I actually post quite a few blogs on Facebook and on my webpage, and I'm doing a series right now on suffering. Oh, wow. So that would in be. In light of, I lost uh, my mentor, very close friend at 94 years last December, mm -hmm. just a uh, two and a half months ago. Ritz was his name. Um, he fought against the Nazis during World War II and the resistance movement in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. And we met once a month for breakfast for 25 years. Very dear to me. And then my nephew Jude, or my great nephew Jude, uh, died uh, just three weeks ago. And so I've been just thinking a little bit more about uh, the nature of suffering. And I, I post those uh, as well. I was going to say one other thing, Tricia. I, one of the, the lasting effects of this is this deep sense in me that we should always choose life. Mm -hmm. The life itself, by the grace of God, summons us uh, to honor the dead by choosing to live or to honor any form of suffering that we faced. The greatest way to resist or not resist exactly, the greatest way to respond to suffering is to choose whatever alternative to life is right before us. Yeah. And not to, to, to submit to what I call the second death, uh, not the death of a loved one or the death of a dream or a marriage or 
whatever it happens to be, a wayward child, all those forms of death that all of us face sooner or later in, in life. Um, the second death is the death of the soul. Hmm. It's bitterness. It's resentment. It's self-pity. It's the kind of thing that erodes the soul until we shrink and wither up as human beings. There's always before us the possibility of choosing life, even under difficult circumstances. When I look back now, I didn't always do that, but I did it enough to recognize that that was always the best choice to make. Oh, that is beautiful. And I was going to ask you anyway, what you wanted to close us with. (laughs) So I think that is beautiful. And that's something that we can do every day. Every day we can choose life. We can choose to find the joy, to seek the Lord, to ask him to help us to see his goodness, even in the hardship. So Jerry, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tricia. You're a good soul. It was lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now, remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com. And I can't wait until we connect again. <laughs>